right, here we are. Another round to, to Cinema Town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you drinking there? Hot coffee, as they say hot, in hot coffee. your homeland, Brazil. Hot coffee. Hot coffee. Hot coffee. Yeah, that's muy what they fuego. Say. Muy fuego coffee. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh man. Hey, uh, did we record the last episode in the new year? I don't think we did. did we? No. No. So, no way. Hey, because happy it's, new year. <laughs> yes. Happy new year. Uh, good tidings. Yeah, we bring <laughs> good tidings. Yeah. It's been a crazy year so far. <laughs> tell me about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, don't tell me about it. <laughs> I've been in quarantine for half of it. So that's true. Oh uh, yeah. That's fun. Uh, yeah. You one would say all those with ADHD love quarantine without ADHD with ADHD hate it. I go insane. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm used to it. I'm uh do you have ADHD? No, no, no. I'm, oh, okay. I'm used to just like corn. Like I'm used to well, just yeah. staying home. You work from home. Not doing anything. Yeah. Not anymore, but yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, I guess uh, half, <laughs> half and half, half and half every other weekend. Um, what do you think about trilogies? Uh, depends which one we're talking about. That's my question. Which one is the best? Which is the best trilogy? That's so vague. Is it? I mean, Vogue. yeah. Why? What do you think know. is yeah, the best so many trilogy? Options. Oh, that's so hard. That's too I get, hard. I have a I have a hard time with things like that because first of all, you can't count like you can't count the Star Wars trilogies separately. Right. So Star Wars think, is yeah. out of the running. Now it's a saga. It doesn't count as a I was trilogy say the anymore. Same thing about like Alien. Uh, yeah. You can't count Alien as a trilogy because it was and now it's not. You can you can count the Godfather. Yep. Yeah. So because they haven't like, made the, they were gonna make a fourth one, but they never did. Indiana Jones, you can't count it now because it's a right. saga. But you can count like Alien. You can, can you count, count Lord of the Rings and the, Dark- the Hobbit separately? No. Yes. Absolutely. Because they're you separate. Can? Yeah. They're separate book series. Okay, but like if a movie's not based on a book, like Star Wars, for example, why doesn't that count? Because Star Wars has numbered them all to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's true. And yeah, Lord right. of the Rings didn't do that. Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Star Wars kept the same name all through nine of them. There's nine Star Wars now instead of right. just three. And then, but in if that's the case, I don't know if you can consider The Hobbit a trilogy because it's based off of one book. Yeah, but no, you can't. We're not counting the book series. I'm just saying okay, fair. it's a separate story. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. You can count the. Here, uh, here we go. Trilogies. Before trilogies. Yep. Before. Three trilogies. Colors. Trilogy. Uh, Three colors. I have. I've only seen. I've only seen red. I haven't seen the other two. Um, what else? Shoot. That's it? Yeah. No, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is a trilogy. Okay. X-Men? No. It, no. Yeah, so you're getting into like... Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. It's tough. Anyway. I think I'm going to... I digress. Uh, Neil Blomkamp, that's a trilogy. Uh, I want to come back to you with my answer next week. Or next the next episode. What are you gonna marinate on it for two weeks? Yeah, I'm gonna really oh look gosh. at into trilogies and see what I what are I you gonna watch everything? That sounds like something you'd do. No, I probably have already watched most of them. So. Well, you haven't seen any of the three color movies except for Red. <laughs> have you seen the before movies? Okay. You've seen all of them, right? 
all the ones that I have seen were bad. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> all right. Well, um, if I had to make a educated decision on what the best trilogy is, I don't think I'd be able to decide right now. Closing oh, your yeah. eyes on me? Are you exasperated by me? No. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and the viewers know it. You close your eyes like, oh, when is this dummy going to shut his stupid mouth? <laughs> hey, um, you mentioned that you went, you watched a couple of movies this week. What, what were they? Oh, dude, I've watched a lot. So, I know, because you've been home quarantined. <laughs> I watched Pieces of a Woman two nights ago. Okay. And that's that new Netflix. Right. I just heard about it yesterday. Yeah. Okay. So I watched that and I told my wife this. I have never been so uh, like emotionally captivated by a, a just a sequence, a film sequence. Like so in pieces the of the entire a, film sequence no, or in pieces no, of okay. a woman before the title sequence rolls, uh-huh. it's like 40 minutes. So the, the first That's cool. Yeah, and it's like the first 40 minutes is Vanessa Kirby's character's labor sequence. Love her. And it's like, it's it's almost as if it's all one shot. It's obviously not, but the way it makes you feel as if, as if you're watching a 40-minute period of like 40 minutes her before life. she gives birth. No, 40 minutes before she gives birth and up to right, the, right, right, the but point. But that's like her life. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Huh. And it's like, it's one of those where you almost stop breathing because you're like, you're so in enraptured by what's happening you know what i mean like you can't think about anything else except for what's going on really really good and then you watched uh metalhead no not metalhead i think it used to be called metalhead before it was made no it was gonna be made as metalhead but it was like an actual documentary right 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 and then when it became like a biopic for lack Uh of a better word it they changed the name of it or whatever but Dude, that is super good. I haven't, Especially, I haven't watched it. I didn't hear about it until you posted about it in your story the other day. I think it I think it resonates a lot more for me, especially right now, because I'm quarantining. Hmm. It's like such a such a profound picture of like being okay in stillness and like understanding that you don't need anything to be happy. Like Nothing is deserved and nothing is earned. Everything that you have is a privilege, but also being okay with like soaking in the idea of having nothing, like being stripped of everything. Uh-huh. And like I I have a problem with not doing anything, like with just being still and just mm-hmm. focusing and, and uh, you know, meditating for lack of a better word. And that film is like is focused on that. Like he goes to this, this home for lack of a better word of there's like a lot of lack of better words. Here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I haven't, I haven't really soaked in, you know, the better words. To say. <laughs> okay. So right now I'm just filling in with the lack ofs, but he goes to this like home, this asylum, uh, for, like hard of hearing people, not necessarily uh, deaf, but people who are just hard of hearing. And his his activity that he's given is, you know, you're going to be put in this room with a piece of paper and a pen and yourself. And I want you to be still. And then when you can't be still anymore, write. And then when mm-hmm. you're so tired of writing that you can't come up with anything else to write, be still again. Like write until you're okay with being still again. So it's like... 
it's like coming to terms with the fact that you have no audible stimulus, you know? So uh-huh. what kind of mental stimulus can you come up with in those times that you're being focused? It's, it's profound, I think is a really good word for it. It's a really, I don't know. It's a really raw uh-huh. clarity is like one of the words that comes to mind when I think about the experience that I had, it's like really, I don't know. It's transparent. It's raw. It's pure. It's really good. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's uh, Riz Ahmed, right? I yeah. don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, he's great. Oh my gosh, really, really good. Yeah, it's I haven't <laughs> haven't seen this, but uh, first time I saw, I Nightcrawler, dude. No, no. First time I noticed him was I probably watched Nightcrawler before I watched this, but I don't. I didn't notice him in Nightcrawler too much. First time I noticed him was in uh, the HBO series The Night Before, I think it's called, where he go. He plays a. Uh, a young kid who goes to jail for oh, it's really good. You should watch that. That's anyway. Everybody should watch that. It's really yeah, good. yeah. I'll have to check very, that out. Uh, sobering, sobering. Um, sobering is a very good word for this one too. Sobering. Yeah, lack there of a better go. word. It's a better word. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really good. Um, I got a list going. Like I'm gonna watch another round tonight uh, with Mads Mikkelsen. It looks it looks pretty good. Um, it, lo- it looks really interesting to me. Yeah. I'll check I, that I'm, I'm more I'm, I'm I want to watch that for sure but I it kind of sucks that like this whole situation with COVID happened because like most of these movies would have been out last year because these are right. all movies from 2020 right they would have been out easy to like watch and I think the only way to watch th- those movies before their release dates is either VOD now or um like festivals Right, right. I have no no way of getting into, but uh, the one that's been really intriguing to me is Nomadland. I, I I can't I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, I can't. We can't get it on anything yet. Right, I, it's coming out in February, I think, yeah. in theaters. So I'm, it's come I'm out very really excited a, to watch a that. lot of other countries on VOD already. Mm-hmm. Like that, Saint Maud has already come out in a lot of places already uh, on VOD, which is one that I'm really excited about. It's the newest yeah. A24 horror. So I'm, I'm yeah. like amped Sounds on that. Like it. Yeah. Sounds like you. <laughs> um, so that's one that I'm like super stoked about, but like I see everyone talking about it. Like all these accounts that we follow on Instagram talk about these films that they've seen yeah. already and how awesome they are, but it's stuff that we just can't, I haven't been able to watch yet. Yeah. yeah. So it's really like infuriating to me. <laughs> did you, ever, you watch soul, right? I haven't yet. No. Oh my gosh. So I don't sold. have Disney Plus yet. Uh, yeah, I've been been uh, holding off on Disney Plus. Super good. Oh, it's but I think we're gonna get good. it this month just because I've been wanting to watch. So I've been seeing it's it's in so many people's like top ten, top five list of last year, and I'm like, I have to watch this. Then. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Last night, uh, me and my wife went to watch uh, Promising Young Women. Yeah, with uh, Carrie Mulligan. Yep so good is it really really good really yeah good. it's yeah. like a dark satire like comedy it, it's it's interesting it's funny because i didn't know it was going to be a comedy so as i walked in and sat down and started watching it it was like i didn't know where to like level myself you know like as i was watching it i was like is this a comedy or is right. it like playing it straight you know like i was trying to like figure it out so it took a little bit a few minutes, but pretty much off the bat, it, it's shot incredibly well. Is it's, it? It's such a beautiful picture. It's 
it there's so i feel like you can take stills so many stills out of this and just like print them out if you wanted to really 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 gorgeous yeah yeah that's how that's how uh pieces of a woman are it's Mm -hmm. uh it's like really really well shot yeah one of the one of the downfalls of that movie is the first 40 minutes is so enrapturing that after that everything kind of seems bland a little bit you know like The concept is the first half is her loss and the second half is her fallout from that, you know? Right. And it just doesn't hit as hard after the title sequence rolls because before that hit so hard, you know? Like if the whole thing had been like the second half, it would have been really good. But Mm -hmm. because you had that to hold a candle to from the beginning, it was kind of like everything. But after that, the, the scenes that we see and the elements and the environments that they're in and the way everything is shot is just so, it's so good. It's yeah. so well done. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in watching that for sure. I'm also interested in, uh, there's this Denzel Washington movie coming out with the uh, little things, baby, the little things with yeah. uh, Jared Leto. Yeah. It was that, funny. I watched the trailer last night on, uh, when we were waiting for promising young woman and, Jared Leto came up on screen and I didn't recognize him. Yeah. And like, it took like three times him coming up and I was like, is that Jared Leto? Yeah, dude. It's so funny because this is like the most and normal like, but thing like his, for him. His hair's this, that's what I was going to say. Like he's playing a character that I feel like I've seen him do before. Yeah. Uh, he's playing, his hair looks the same. His yeah. beard looks the same. He all looks the same. But there's something about him that just looks off. You know what it I is? I don't know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's the fact that he looks normal. he's not his face isn't covered in white paint his hair is not dyed green he's not playing a blind character that runs some massive corporation what else he hasn't gained 50 pounds for chapter 13 or 23 or whatever that movie he played was he Uh, hasn't lost a thousand pounds for requiem for a dream or whatever like he looks normal and that's something we don't see very often yeah yeah, but. so that's that. But that one looks that one looks yeah. like it's a solid piece yeah. of like acting. Yeah, all across the board. That that good. comes out soon too for us. I think it's in the next couple of weeks here. Is it? I, I yeah. didn't. I didn't see the date when it came up. I just don't remember it. But yeah. yeah, there's that, and then there's an Amy Adams movie coming out with uh, I think. Uh, oh man, what's her name? She was. I forgot her name now. I think it's Julie. Julie something. Amy Adams. Um, Amy Adams plays like a. She's got some kind of like mental disease where like she can't be in open spaces, or maybe she's a germaphobe, like germaphobe or something. I can't remember. But basically, she sees like a murder from across the street um, in in New York and through her window, and she's. But like, there's something oh, going on, some kind of conspiracy. I know exactly what you're talking about. I and can't then, remember the name. Yeah, I can't remember anything. It was supposed to come out last year, yes. but because yeah, of everything, it's she, been delayed. She's like a. Um, she's afraid to leave her house right right yeah. that's it and it's, it's interesting because i read about it last year when it was when i saw a poster for it i looked into it and apparently it's based on the book of this guy who is uh it was his first novel and he wrote under a pen name i think and uh he apparently to sell the book uh across interviews he came up with a bunch of like bull like bullshit stories about his life saying that like his mom died of cancer and all this stuff and then turns out all of it was was a lie oh my god this guy like made up a bunch of crap just to like sell his book basically and but did it work though yeah i mean the book sold it was a number one bestseller the movie he got the rights 
whatever you have movies. to do, I'm in. Like, <laughs> I more power to him. You know oh, what I mean? Man. There's there's an interesting uh, movie that came out with um, what's the name of that comedian actress uh, who? Oh shoot, I'm not gonna remember her name now. But she played. I can't even remember something she was in anymore. Oh so my gosh. This is going to be pointless. What's the movie I'm called? Not, Do you have that? I don't remember. I don't Very remember. nice. I'm excited to see it. <laughs> yep. But it's basically, she like plays, uh, it's, a, it's a biopic about this woman who did the same thing. She would like steal, uh, similar, right? She would steal other people's writing and plagiarize it as if it was like an old piece of paper she found from like an antique store or whatever she bought and then sold for like, I don't know how much money. Like played it off as if like it was an old piece of paper from the 1800s, 1700s, I written see. a letter, you know, and stuff like that. So, uh, and it was all like fake. Wow, it's interesting, but I don't remember her name. I don't did you ever see actors. that? Did you ever see that movie with? Uh, you got me thinking about it now. It's it's uh, the, who's the guy? Um, it's not Gregory Peck, is it? The guy in from the King's Speech? It is. Yeah. Uh, is it? No, it's uh the guy not Colin Firth, but the other guy. His 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 speech mentor. His speech, anyway. I, I'm like bad with names today. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. What's going on with us? But the dude he, in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he was. Caribbean. Uh, yep, the Caribbean. Uh, Caribbean. 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 He, Caribbean. He played this auction this auctioneer uh oh and he was auctioning this house and in the house was living this woman who lived in like a secret room oh no uh, i don't know about this it's super good it sounds I, interesting i can't remember what it was called but he and and then he fell in love with this young girl like like she's in her in her teens or early 20s and he's like his his age you know uh, what i mean jeffrey rush yeah Yep, that's his name. That's not what the movie's <laughs> called, but Jeffrey for, Rush. For a second, I thought you were talking about a uh, woman of gold, but that's not. He's not in that at all. It's, I think that's Helen Miriam and uh, and uh, Ryan Ryan Reynolds. What got me thinking about this was I was thinking about that new one that Jeffrey Ru- or that um, it's, it's Sir Ian, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. <laughs> yeah, I watched that one. I like this. So it's got kind of the same vibes. Like yeah, Jeffrey that, Rush's definitely. character has the same vibe as that. Anyway, the, the Ian McKellen one with Helen Mirren, uh, a so secret good. lie or whatever, a, uh, a good liar, a good li- a, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, the greatest lie ever, <laughs> the the greatest story ever told. Yeah, <laughs> yep. no, Legend I don't remember the dance. The, uh, yeah, hey, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a that's Shia LaBeouf in, uh, is in pieces I think that's of underrated. a woman. It's unrated. Oh, is no Whoa. under underrated. Oh, um, oh, is he a piece of a woman? Yeah spectacular yeah whatever happened to him huh not lately everything he's that's what i'm saying like i haven't really he was in honey boy was the last thing i remember ridgemont high table read and then he was in (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) and then he was in uh pieces of a woman and he was really good in pieces of a woman wow i still have to watch uh peanut butter fuck dude we are like over 20 minutes i'm sure i know we haven't even heard of la la land Anyway, yeah. Oh so today gosh. we're talking about La La Land, right? And everything else. Yes. Uh, yeah. I La heard La Land. That the laws in La La Land actually stand for Los Angeles, twice. Los Angeles, Los Angeles Land. Really? No, but okay. it would make sense because the film is based in Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. 
anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. So you know a little bit of a story about La La Land, like about mm-hmm. Damien Chazelle's starts to this, right? I mean, wasn't uh, isn't it sort of a little bit based off of like his directorial debut that he did with? Uh, but I mean, how he got to how he got to how he got to funding or or picking oh. up a production company with the Whiplash uh, false yeah. start, you know? Apparently, he had La La Land for a while and wanted to do it, but the way he wanted to do it, nobody was going to fund it for a director of his caliber or what people perceived his caliber to be at, right? Yeah. So he made... And then the same thing happened with Whiplash. He wanted to make Whiplash but couldn't get funding, so he made a short story, like a short film version of Whiplash. Right. Got funding for Whiplash, made Whiplash. That was a huge critical success. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if it was a... uh, I don't remember if it was like a financial success, but it was definitely a critical success, and rightly so. Right. And then got funding for La La Land. So yeah, long way coming to get to La La Land. So he and Justin Hurwitz were actually college roommates. Yeah. So that's that's so crazy that these two they're so young. Yeah. They're so young. It's crazy. I mean when the film came out, I think they were both like in their thirties, thirty one, something like that. Right at yeah, right at the threshold of thirty. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Yeah. And we're talking about La La Land, right? I just turned thirty. How old and are you, Jay? Well, I'm 30, and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> Freaking Chazelle is making these masterpieces, and right. here I am making a podcast with my best friend. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> You're at the lowest of the lows, and he's at the highest of the highs. You have no further lower to go. Oh, like you're God. stuck with me. I mean, and... I'm definitely with you go lower. But... <laughs> you and I are actually a modern day Chazelle and Hurwitz college roommates. In a way, we were never we're college just, roommates. Now we're spit. We weren't. We were never college roommates. I mean, Close, we, we kind of were. You Close. Know? We slept yeah. more in the office than we did <laughs> That's true. in our dormitories. <laughs> uh, or didn't sleep more because yeah. we what, were Tell me what so you were much. saying about Hurwitz. Oh, yeah. So they were actually college roommates. And uh, Damien Chazelle's college career, because they both they both started in music school and somehow both of them ended up in film school. But his... <laughs> His musical career. God, that totally was, makes sense with it was Chazelle. right. It was like, uh, you know, I, I think you're right, and it makes a lot of sense too that his all his films, even First Man, have such a musical cadence to them. Right. Like I was gonna say, his film style is so rhythmic. Right. Definitely. You know? For sure. And, and I, I, it's interesting to me that First Man is the only film that's not doesn't have like heavy themes of music. Yeah. But yeah, you're totally right about that. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like a. Yeah, it's like a Yeah. Yep, 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 yeah. Yeah. It definitely has like a cadence. I, I see yeah. what you mean. Um and that could be the way that his partnership with Justin Hurwitz works in the way uh-huh. that the music and the film are made in in tandem, you know what I mean? Like so often one's made prior to the other and then like a film is scored to the pre-cut or mm-hmm. the f- the film is made to the score, you know what I mean? Or right. whatever. But um uh, so Whiplash was based off of his like musical experience. Yeah. I, I just think that's so cool. La La Land was based off of an experience that he had in a relationship that fizzled because of like his movement into his career, you know, mm. I, I, it's such a, even for people like us, I feel like Damien Chazelle and Justin Hurwitz are such like, um, 
down to earth versions of, of filmmakers that, that people admire of today, you know, like it's hard to relate to somebody like Scorsese because so many people hold him up on this ivory throne, you know, like he is like rightfully so (laughs) right. He is like a godlike filmmaker. Yeah. yeah, Damien Chazelle and Justin Hurwitz are as well, but it, it, they're so much more palatable. Like I feel like I can understand where they come from as filmmakers because yeah. it's not too far off from where we come from. You know what I sure, mean? Sure. And their films are so much more approachable and relatable. Like, obviously I can relate to things like I can relate to things like casino and Cape fear really uh, well, but totally. like, yeah, when I think <laughs> about like whiplash and La La Land, it's so much more palatable. Like I can imagine no, yeah, myself yeah, yeah, yeah. in scenarios like that. It's very, yeah. I think down to earth is a good way to put it. Uh, not only are they so down to earth, they're right. as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I love this movie. I love this movie, but I have such a hate relationship with it, and it's got nothing to do with the movie itself. What has it got, got to do with? It's got everything to do with like the time it came out. Like when it came out, I feel like everybody was so on board with this movie, rightfully so. Like it's a great movie. Um, what else came but, out that year? Moonlight, La La Land. I only can think of those two off the top of my head because I, those two are the ones coming to mind because of the whole right crapshoot that happened in the Oscars. But um, I know other stuff came out too. Yeah, I can't think of it right now. But but what I'm saying is, it's not so much with, to do with like the year itself. It's yeah. more to do with like how people reacted to La La Land when it came out. Everybody was like, "This is incredible!" Everybody loved this movie. Rightfully so, again. But I felt so – so quickly the magic of it wore out on me because of conversations I would get in with people. Because like I love movies. I sure. love film. I yeah. love I love talking about them and all that. And I felt like every conversation I would get in with film, whoever was in that conversation would end up being like, yeah, but have you seen La La Land yet? It's like I've had this conversation a million times yeah. and I'm just so over this movie at this point. Like that's that's where I was. And I think even today, whenever La La Land comes up, I still get that like urge to like kick back right away just because of that. Just because I, it was like months and months, like half the year after it was released. It was just like everybody praising La La Land. And like, when La La Land didn't win and they accidentally brought La La Land up, people were like upset that it didn't win. Well, you know, like it, I it think, was just I like think so infuriating were, to me. People were excited for a little bit of a change in like a best picture winner, you know, because that's I mean, not, not really because in 2011, The Artist came out and that's a musical in a way. Yeah. And that movie was trash and that movie should not have won best yeah, picture. But I agree. And, and our <laughs> podcast platform is the best place to trash it. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I what I'm saying is I think that I think that La La Land brought to the table something that nothing else had. Like it, it is such a f- or was even I, still is a, such a fresh outlook on a musical and it's a it's oh no, yeah i agree it's a beautiful blending of of the three like performance entertainments music yeah. like cinema and yeah. broadway musicals plays and it <laughs> I, feels it's, it's a it cinematic feels... expression of music and 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 stage acting like it, right, i was gonna say it's a it's a it's almost like a complementary uh form of like Film acting, like screen acting yep. and theater acting. Which brings me to one f- film that I saw that I forgot to mention, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is really similar to La La Land in that sense. It's, music- it's 
it's a musical ma rainey's black bottom was a broadway musical that oh, they that they brought to film, to film and it maintains so much of that musical feel just like la la land it's but not it's, in the sense of like people singing their thoughts and conversations no okay no. <laughs> but there is music you know what okay, i mean I see. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it's like a cinematic expression of musical and stage acting like uh-huh. it's really really good and and those are this type of film is another one of those that I would consider to just be pure entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's, I feel like it's so, um, pure, I, pure is the best word I can think about it. Like it, it, it feels so raw to me. The, yeah. the way La La Land works is so approachable and it's so like, you know, I mean, there is beautiful cinematography, but even down to the film texture that's on what we see, it just feels so real. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like everything yeah. feels so, I don't know, lifelike, tangible. It feels so. No, yeah. I, I, I guess what I'm, what I was saying with all that is that like, I, I've, I told you that I was like dreading this episode just, just mm-hmm. because of like my love hate relationship with this movie. I love yeah. the film itself, but I hate the over adoringness of everybody towards it is just like infuriating to me. I can but, get that. Um, so it, it is a little bit difficult for me to like separate those two and I'm trying my best, but uh, no, I, I love this movie so much. The, the story itself. I love what Chazelle did. The, the, the decisions he made in the story itself and like what the characters do. I love it. Perfect to me. I love the technicality of the film. Everything about it, like the 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 whip shots, uh, the whip pans, they're incredible. Like whip pans, the the it's just opening the opening sequence. He, uh, it, the way, uh, yeah, the, the opening sequence, which we'll all get to in a sec. But like what you were saying about even First Man, like where he's able to like have this cadence to it. Uh, it's so uh, in in Whiplash, he had that as well. But with La La Land, it's so much more because it is a straightforward like musical. Um, he's so he's so much uh, like able to fully immerse himself in a world where he can totally play with the technicality of the film, total freedom, in conjunction yep. with the music in the film, yes. and yeah. really be playful with it yeah. and make it work. Because in a musical like this, in a straightforward musical like this, it's so fantastical. You know, like right. you have to be able to, as an audience member, uh, let go of those like grounding things yep. in a film yeah and and it, it really is i can and uh, you can go to la and look at the sky for the next 20 years and you're not going to see a sky like that right like the way the the film portrays it every right. single night you know yeah. and, and it's so there is uh the, the way he's able to like incorporate that fantastical element with the music and the technicality of the film and the way it was shot and the story itself, the the characters, everything just flows so incredibly well together. I, yeah. I, love this, I really do love this movie. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, it's pretty incredible. He, he, I mean, editing for this took almost an entire year after mm-hmm. filming and everything was finished. He and the, the main editor spent almost a year editing it down because I, I don't know. I love that hands on. And I don't you know, I don't actually know what a normal filmmaker's process looks like like we know that there's film editors and we know that there's filmmakers but do you mm-hmm. think that the director has like as much control over the editing process or or as much hands on 
like not control, think, but like I think it depends on the director, right? Like, do you I, think Scorsese spends all of his time out on like location filming, and then once that's over, he spends every day in editing too? I don't. I don't. I think I don't think so for Scorsese. I think Scorsese is much more hands off when it comes to post production, only because of like the magnitude of films he makes. That man yeah. is always working. And he's always got like two or three films coming out per year, whether it's like a straight up like like film or it's like a documentary. Or he's yeah. always got something in the works, always. And so for somebody of that uh, uh, to be working so consistently like that, there's no way that he spends that much time in the editing right in the, yeah. in, the in an editing suite. So I think I think when it comes to Scor- somebody like Scorsese, I think what he does is more like hands hand, like hands free gives the the, yeah. the job to the editor the editor comes up with something he comes in checks it makes tweaks to it like sure. tells the editor what to do yeah but somebody like nolan i think nolan is so hands-on with the editing process i that, think nolan is little, behind the editor watching him do that's a hard thing this. for me though because nolan films are so technical in the sense of editing you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah. i i feel like the Which editor is in a, those is <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm gonna go on a tangent, so I'm right. not I'm not going to. I'm okay, just gonna stop but right then here. I hear then I hear about people like Barry Jenkins and Damien Chazelle who have hands on the editing process, but their films are so approachable and down to earth. Do you think it's because like a Jenkins film and a Chazelle film have their own like stamp? Like when you see something that Damien Chazelle made, you know that it was him. Like how it looks, how it feels, in the cadence I, that we talked about. I Same thing you, with Barry Jenkins. Like I watched If Beale Street Could Talk and I've seen Moonlight. And those two are so like so like unforgettably Barry Jenkins films. Like mm-hmm. you know that those are Barry Jenkins movies. Just like you know that First Man and, yeah. and La La Land and Whiplash even are Damien Chazelle movies. Do you think that's because of their hands-on approach I, to I do. I think when it comes to those two that you mentioned, they both they're so unlike Scorsese, somebody like Scorsese, because Scorsese wants to I feel like Scorsese has so many ideas that he wants to work on. Yeah. And so the only way to do that is to trust other people to get those things done or else he's going to be working on those things for years and decades even. So somebody like Nolan who can write a script for 10 years and sit on it, right. tweaking it. Right. Uh, like it, it, and release a, one movie every six, five years. And I think Barry Jenkins and Damien Chazelle, they work a little faster than Nolan do in that sense. But I think they do have this like, personal thing when they right. when they're working on their scripts i think they have they have this personal thing when they're working on their films and they make it so personal that they want to be a part of every moment you said something make pretty it right. specific there like and that it's something that got me thinking barry jenkins wrote if bill street could talk in moonlight and uh-huh. damien chazelle wrote la la land whiplash yeah. first man maybe that's what it is maybe these yeah, projects Scorsese are doesn't theirs. write i don't right. think well, i mean he's written a couple things but nothing yeah but like, not not those it's not we, like a those that we think about like it's not his calling card. shutter island those aren't right like the maybe that's what it is maybe maybe damien chazelle and barry jenkins birthed these ideas and then they they, they want to see the directorial ship and yeah they've got to see yeah. it through yeah that makes sense i agree with that Dude, it's 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 interesting to me going back to Jenkins. Uh, sorry, not Jenkins. Uh, Chazelle because he he's such an intriguing filmmaker. Like with his history, because he's a writer. Right. He writes. Yep. And there's been some films of his that that he wrote or co wrote. 
um, and he did not direct. So like, I know that there's a couple of, I think there's two films that he co-wrote with, with some other guys. Um, I haven't pulled up here. Let me just look at it. Um, the last exorcism part two, that was him. He co-wrote that. that. Yeah. Which is interesting. I don't see him in that at all. Like he's, his fingerprints really aren't on that. So I'm sure he, he did some minor things. I don't think it was totally came from him. Where the same thing with like uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Right. I think yeah, we talked about this in another episode. Yeah, I think we did. I yeah. think Ten Cloverfield Lane. You can probably pick out some things with Chazelle. There is a, a sense of uh, almost like immediacy, just like you you have in his films. Yeah. There's always like a sense of like something needs to happen right away. Like there's a timeline. Right. Um. So I think maybe he he probably worked on that more. But there's a movie called Grand Piano. Yeah. Starring um. Who's what's the guy that did Frodo in Lord of the Rings? Yes, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood, um, where Elijah Wood plays this like a concert pianist who is having a hard time. I think he's got some sort of like ADHD or something like that, and he has a a, a hard time with like this certain piano. And it's basically there's an assassin, and I think there's something hidden in the piano. Wow, it's it's a really this like out. So- Incredibly it's really confusing. Out of the, it's really out of the box. It's not an incredible film, but it, there and there's something about the film that is so charming, uh, and not charming like La La Land, where it's like everything's happy and blissful. Charming in like the filmmaking itself and the storyline. John Cusack plays the uh, assassin, and you know okay. I have a soft spot for John John yeah, Cusack. I know. So, <laughs> But anyways, uh, he wrote that one by himself. It's like a solo screenwriting project that he worked on, and it was it wasn't directed by him. And I almost wonder what that film could have been if he did direct it. But at the same time, really like I said, like him. that's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't it doesn't sound like a, a project that he would work on. So I don't know if maybe it was just like an idea he had and he wrote it. And you know what this sounds like? Sold it. This sounds like that movie with. Uh, Sandra Bullock in the bus. Yeah, dude. Speed? Yeah. This sounds like what? speed. What are you talking about? Let, let me read the description. <laughs> For speed? A pianist with stage fright endures a performance oh, under okay. the eyes of a mysterious sniper who's going to kill him if he plays the wrong note. Yeah. That sounds like speed, dude. That guy with the, with the, with the de- detonator or whatever, if they go over a certain speed... They're dead, tornado. Oh, or if they go below a certain speed. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with Willem Dafoe in Speed Two and the boat. Willem the boat. No. Let's just wipe Speed Two out of our memory. There's a reason why Keanu Reeves didn't make that movie. I think that was Willem Dafoe's best. Uh, Shut that, up. That was the peak of his career, dude. Shut up. Last Temptation of Christ. I to didn't the side. even remember he was in that. Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, Speed is a good movie. Yeah, Speed's a good movie. I can't movie. try to watch that in the next week or so. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Speed. The, the only time I've ever seen Speed, I watched it on daytime television when I was younger. I was oh, homeschooled, God. you know, so I, a lot of daytime TV for me. Judge Mathis and uh, Judge Judy. Mari. Yep. What's that <laughs> show where those guys, it's like a blind date or whatever. You know, blind date. Yeah, I've heard. I, Old I show. I you go out on a date, and these people are like, like jack your wagons. Set them up or something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, wife swap. A lot of wife swap for me. God, I hate daytime television. <laughs> also, anyway. watching a movie on daytime television is the worst. The commercials are terrible. Right. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I was actually talking to my wife about this. Like, I don't remember the last time I watched. A commercial 
Oh, we, uh, my father-in-law actually just got, uh, our local network provider offers a streaming option now uh-huh. instead of like cable. Um, so he just got that and we put it on our Apple TV and my wife is watching, uh, she's watching cable television all the as time. we speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah I don't cr- remember the last time crazy. I watched like commercials other than the Super Bowl or like YouTube ads, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is, <laughs> anyways, it's bonkers, isn't it? It's so a lot crazy. of good commercials out these days. Maybe we should do a season on commercials. No, probably no, maybe not. Maybe on trailers, though. Um, no, not a bad no, idea. Maybe an episode. Um, La La Land is so, like we were talking, it's so technically strong. Like, like not only does like the cinematography look really good, but the approaches that they take to make it look like the time period they're trying to echo and resemble is so uh, well done, you know, like, like it wasn't shot in CinemaScope, but it was shot as close to CinemaScope as that could be. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, like the, the technical approach that they made to make it look like that was amazing. I mean, the lighting yeah. effects that they have incredible. I was going to say that. Yeah. There's a lot of like in camera, like technical work done to make yes. that come out the way it didn't it works everything's yeah. great about it absolutely it definitely puts you in an era of like i feel like if you come into this movie not caring about jazz you would walk away caring about jazz right you know yep. what i mean yeah so it, it's, a lot of uh, practical stuff like I, I really appreciate that there's no like digital effects it, it's all right, pr- right. practical lighting practical color uh practical camera effects camera like those whip yeah. pans those are all done on like the dolly physically. and all yep. that stuff is done with yeah. like huge cranes I've yeah seen my wife actually cued us in on a lot of like uh reverse stuff in the movie oh yeah that's right like uh like that whole um uh shoot the observatory the whole planetarium scene like half of that is shot shot in reverse reverse. yeah Yeah. which is super cool i mean it really is a lot of technical stuff that makes but i almost wonder why film like why shot in reverse yeah like i think what is it as a chazelle like saw that maybe needed to be done in reverse to give a different feeling to the scene or was it because there was something technically not able to be done in forward motion that they had to reverse? well have you ever seen hail or maybe it's both yes You've seen Hail Caesar? Yeah. The, we, the we, Coen we, Brothers we, mountaintop performance? Uh, <laughs> we mentioned it last uh, episode. Go oh, ahead. yeah, that's right. Did we? What was the last episode about? Oh, it was a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Um, so in we, that, in the beginning yeah. when Scarlett Johansson's character is first introduced. Yes. yes that's reverse. That was for yep. sure because there's yep. no way she would have got like – yeah. And and I think that's the reason why like I I was actually really curious about that so I got I got kind of like reverse like twitchy so I started looking up stuff that was shot in reverse <laughs> there's just smoothness to it that can't be replicated like, yeah. there's just this unless you like, blink right exactly yeah <laughs> but there's this kind of like buttery butteriness to yeah. like someone sitting into or yeah, someone being risen out of their seat and then that being reversed to be it, like it looks different. It's, it's like it's so much less choppy. It's a that lightness way. to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that because in that planetarium scene, that's the whole part that's reversed is, is the moment where they sit, and yep, like that, where they yeah. sit back down into their seats and then they kiss that like that. Sense. That's all. And yeah, yeah. I, I stuff like that when you know it after the fact. 
you have so much more appreciation for it. You know, like when you mm. see it on screen, you're like, yes, this is magical. But when you think about the thought that goes into it down to the minute detail of how is this going to look the best and look the most magical, which I mean, think about it just in general, like the last scene, for instance, the last scene when they're going through that montage, that is so magical. And that is oh, yeah. all practical. It's all yeah. like I it don't does, know. It does have that feeling of like mat, like a fantastical, like it's a it's a fantasy world, that right? Living. And yeah. th- that last bit is like the perfect. I mean, that is stage acting, you know. Like that is that is like a play, but but because everything's being done through the scope of a camera you have so much more flexibility. You know what I mean? Like, like it makes people who appreciate stage acting and stage performance so much feel vindicated almost Yeah, because it's such an echo to that. But it really is that kind of like, I think it has to do with that sense of, uh, it is a straightforward musical where like people are singing their thoughts. They're singing their conversations with each other so uh, it's i think the only way for that to work like outside of theater it has to be in a musical there's no other way to make that like you know even like the the way emma stone like mouths her words and things like that obviously they're they're uh lip syncing in there and throughout the film but like even then like the way she their the movement of her lips and things like that those are things that that are so like theatrical like theater theatrical right uh, that i don't think would ever work in a sense of like a straightforward film yep with a linear plot story you know what i mean so right. uh it, it definitely well, i think yeah and that's I think the it, difference right like yeah 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 i think that's hands down as far as like straightforward musicals go because yes chazelle has done music like whiplash was a musical but it's not a musical in the sense that this is Right. It's like a theatrical musical with musical numbers and things like that. Uh, as far as like what Chazelle has done here, this is probably in my top five of his work, like musical oh. films. I don't think he has five films. No, I'm like, yikes! <laughs> Very generous of you. Uh, um, yeah, I mean. Let's go through them. What do we got? Moulin Rouge has to be up there. Moulin Rouge is yeah. I don't I don't know where number one is, but um, the Greatest Showman has got to be in there. No, I don't. Yikes. I have a bad experience with the Greatest Showman. It has nothing to do with the movie. I actually, never finished the movie. So yes, I'll tell now, y'all some other. We'll time. all sit in awe as we wait for you to finish that story. I will, I will not finish that story. <laughs> okay, um, but I think Moulin Rouge for sure. It's one of my favorite musicals of all time i i love Moulin Rouge. Um, newsies newsies is a good one that's a the good one i wasn't Cats thinking about movie but i no definitely not but i was thinking of uh dancing in the rain like i love oh. fred astaire i love that era of singing which, in the which, rain coming back to la la land is i i love that chazelle is able to like yes pick those moments and yes. honor like that yes. era of like musical films every um, yes it, it's that, so so good yeah casablanca Casablanca uh, is not a musical. No, I'm so, I'm talking about like. Oh, that you're talking about just like that era classic, of film and stuff. Classic he film is, that he. We, we've we've mentioned. I think I've mentioned before that Jer- Barry Jenkins is like this like film historian in a way. He he yeah. very much prides himself in like all this knowledge he has of like past films and the history of film in Hollywood, 
And I think Chazelle is just another one of those. He's- Absolutely. And I, I think I think there's something to be said about that because Barry Jenkins isn't up and coming. And yeah. so is Chazelle. Like, even though even though his stuff has been big hits so far, I'd still consider them, dude. Ari Aster up and coming. And so is Robert Eggers. And those guys are film historians. Like those guys cherish the knowledge of cinema. And I think that there's something to be said about a new generation of filmmaker who looking back at who honors people like Scorsese, who, who paved the way, who are making film history. And when you have people like him as, as filmmaking idols, you can't help, but be like when Ingmar Bergman is your, is your inspiration you have to be a historian you know what i mean like like you have to know where we came from to get to where we are now and like our sci-fi our sci-fi season scratched the surface of that but like (laughs) like i think there's something to be said about that for sure and especially when people like barry jenkins and damien chazelle are making films specifically to echo that that last century of filmmaking that we've seen you know what i mean yeah yeah i think i think chazelle knocks it out of the park uh i mentioned that i wanted to go back to the intro right i think what he does with the intro is very interesting because he does land us into this moment in the film where he's like i need to make sure that you know what you're in for and right you have this whole dance and musical number on a highway yeah and it's like it's such a i've said this word so many times already but it's such a fantastical element to the film and it lands you in like this is what the tone of the film is you you have to know what you're getting into right and that's what it is and i think he does really well with that um yeah i do too i i think the the i have them i have one of those like smallest smallest flaws to me in the film is almost comes off the back of that intro because i feel like he sets the tone he sets the tone of the film there in the intro like this is what you're getting yourself into but i don't think the film ever like matches that tone like that's the like that's the highest part i think the film actually tones itself down the farther it goes the longer yeah. the longer it goes which and it I, which i'm okay with well, it's, it's, cr- it's craft if you ask me because yeah the, I, they're they're everything about it is toned back like i think it's almost yeah like these, i think the more i think end, about it like the we're talking about these two artists that are that are losing their flame for what they care for because right. of the relationship that they're in right. you know it, they, we're talking about artists that sacrifice for other people and then at the end that fire comes back because they they yeah like i think that's craft i take it back i take it back i you said better. flaw I you said, better. I said flaw, but I think the film doesn't work if it's just whimsical and fantastic the entire time. It needs to be somewhat grounded so that we can relate to the, to the characters. Uh, uh, for it to yeah. work, to really I'm work. For us to even, I'm for us to even like, I think there's there's two kinds of people in the world. The people that love the ending of the film, the people that hate it. And I think regardless of the person you are, the film doesn't work if it's whimsical. Absolutely. It doesn't work if it's just fantastical the entire time. So Absolutely. I, I think you I think I agree with you. Uh, yeah. just as I was like saying that out, I think I changed my, we'll my perspective you. on it. But thank uh, you for apologizing. <laughs> yeah. But this is this still is not my favorite uh it still is not my favorite Chazelle film. I think Whiplash, Whiplash is farther. Yeah. Is a oh, much boy. Film. Yeah. Just, yeah I, I don't know mount, if it's that's just, a mountain to climb though. It's yeah. That it's that's that's a masterpiece. I mean even I don't. I have to rewatch First Man. I haven't rewatched it since I saw it in theater. I love First Man. You didn't like it? No, I love it. I'm, I, I'm like the biggest Neil Armstrong fan okay. who lives on the planet. But uh, I thought 
I thought it was great, but that after Whiplash and La La Land, you know, it's just not. I don't know. I, I was, I think coming out of La La Land, especially with like the, how much I didn't love this movie because of the surrounding elements. Which yeah. That had nothing to do with the movie itself. I think because of that, I wanted so much to see Chazelle do something that had nothing to do with music. You and got so, your wish, my friend. So when he did First Man, I was very intrigued. And I think, I think much so, I think the feeling I got out of First Man was so much more prominent than in his other two films. Um, I think I think Whiplash is his best film yeah. because of what he was able to do and accomplish with that film, with yeah. the characters, the emotion of the characters, the 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 physicality of it, the 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 really like the emo- there's just like this like sense of emotion throughout the entire film in those two characters and their conflict and La La Land what he does there with as a straight up, straight up musical is incredible as well. But the emotional journey I got yeah. out of first man was yeah. so much more prominent for me. Um, and I think it's one of those movies that I think I know that we're talk, supposed to be talking about La La Land, but I think first man is one of those movies that I will like revisit so many times when I'm a dad, sure. like when I become Absolute. a father, Absolutely. I think it's going to be a movie that I go back to constantly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it, yeah, there's a lot of emotional exposition there for sure. I, I yeah. mean, it's it's really well done. I just don't think, I don't know. There's something to be said about the craft in La La Land that that just sets it apart for me. You know what I mean? Like Whiplash is the best he's done. There's no question about that. And I think every single person is going to agree on that. Like Whiplash is the best movie he's made. But I think, I think La La Land comes in second just because of the sheer feet of it you know what i mean like what he sets out to do and how he accomplishes it is spectacular it's right. it's not lighthearted all the way through but it gives you a passion for 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 entertainment it gives you a passion for the industry it gives you a passion for film history like can, cinema I, history it gives i can you, agree with you there i think it, just it, like personally it's not my favorite i think it would be i get you whiplash First, first man, man, just personal guy and, and Madeline La La on a park bench, and then La La Land last. Grand piano, and then La La. Yeah, grand piano, <laughs> ten Cloverfield Lane, and then La La Land after that. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. I mean, first man, spectacular. There's no question. But anyway, yeah, I don't know uh, what we set out to do in this episode. I I want to say that we've accomplished it. You feel um, me, dog? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I think I've gotten a little bit more appreciation for La La Land. Talking Since we started talking? It out, talking it out with you, yeah. Because, oh, like, we perfect. watched this together when you were here. We watched La La Land. Right, yes. And the entire time, I'm like, I can appreciate what I'm watching. But at the same time, like, I was dreading this conversation. But I think I actually garnered more appreciation for it as we've talked. So, yeah. And, and I'm I'm fine with it. Good for you, because we didn't even talk about the lighting and the, the how color relays emotion throughout the whole thing. No, yeah. It's, which uh, we'll it's a beautiful it. shot yeah. film. And I think you were, you actually uh, touched on it with how it, he always relates back to like the era that he was, that he was being inspired for this film. Right. And I think it really does like everything in it, including the lighting. And even like, there's like, there's this almost like translucent softness to the film itself. 
We talked about and that. A glow it, almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just lovely. Yeah. 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 I think so too. I think so too. I, it's just so well done. Like to be able to feel with those characters as they're, as they're understanding what they're feeling is, mm-hmm. it's just so, I, it's just so well done how he does that. Like the minute, we talked about this when we watched it together, but those minute pauses that the characters have as uh-huh. like, that's so natural. Like we, we yeah, think yeah. about that, how like, we don't see a lot of that in film. Like if right. you watch an Aaron Sorkin film, you're not going to get that at all, which no, is also not how we talk in real life. Really. Exactly. Aaron Sorkin and screenplays are so quick they're yeah. so fast-paced which I, it, no, it, nobody's arguing that sorkin's not one of the best writers no i was to gonna say like the kind of story that he tells like it yeah. has to be that way because right. it's they're so involved and so detailed oh, yeah. that you need to or else it'd be like a five-hour movie yeah, but you um, watched trial of chicago seven right yeah really great. we talked about that the last Gosh. episode so i don't think so i think it was a couple episodes behind back gotcha. but um yeah wow yeah uh, he's he's a great uh, screenwriter but somebody like him versus somebody like uh what's it called marriage story guy noah, oh, noah bombach yeah the yep. way he writes is like the opposite of aaron sorkin right They're like the characters are talking over each other it's like it's how dialogue a lot of times is in true life. Yes. So it's, uh, it's, it's very so different. funny you say that because I, I would consider marriage story and La La Land to have a really similar, uh, effect, like mm-hmm. a, a really similar, uh, not rhythm, but just a feel like how it's so down to earth film. I, you know what I, I mean? I love what you, what you mentioned earlier in this episode where you said about how the cadence you were talking about first man, but yeah. I mean, even if you look at La La Land, we're talking about the dialogue with the pauses, there is a cadence to what music brings because in music, you can't just be here the entire time, right? In a song that gets boring. There is a flow to it. it there's ups and downs. There's going to be ebbs, you know, there's going to be a silence. There's going to be a, a rise in music and, yeah. and that brings emotion. And I think when you look at the dialogue and even the way it's filmed, there are those moments of like stillness. There's si- moments that stillness, of- that silence is a sign of, of feeling like, like my wife and I were actually just talking about this today, like taking those mo- and I, I felt this in, in, in a, in a way in sound of metal, but like that silence is, is emotion that when, even in marriage story, yeah, the script is 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 it, it's chaotic, an inter- it's really an interesting, it's chaotic, <laughs> but it, but there's also those moments of silence because yeah, those characters are feeling such strong yeah. feelings, like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. such a raw film in the sense of like uh, you said it the best. That screenplay is written as if someone is is experiencing that in front of our eyes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like it's almost like someone had a life to follow. And mm-hmm. wrote the screenplay out as someone was living. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so natural. It's so pure. It's so raw. La La Land is like that in a subdued kind of way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like uh, the, the the scene that just keeps coming back into my mind as far as this is concerned is when Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are sitting down. He's prepared that fancy dinner. It, the lights are green yeah. outside. And that's the moment when he says he's going to continue his tour. Yeah. She has this like earth shattering pause when he says something mm-hmm. and there is nothing. The records stopped in the background and all we yeah. hear is that sound that w- when the needle is at that blank part of the vinyl and it's just spinning. Yeah. And she's thinking she's feeling her eyes are glistening and it's like 
you've now embodied Ryan Gosling. You know what I mean? You're feeling what he's feeling because he knows that what he said has created this emotion in the mm-hmm. opposing character. And it's, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Unhinged. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. Anyway, yeah. so first man sucks and La La Land is awesome. Chazelle, man. How can you be 31 and just like be a, almost like a master at your craft already? Yeah, sort of win Best Picture and like <laughs> <laughs> good for him, dude. Honestly, oh, all of his films have been nominated for an Oscar so far, except for Guy and Madeline, and that one doesn't really count. And Grand like, Piano. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But Whiplash, Whiplash, the short film won at whatever film festival it was at, Sundance or TIFF or whatever it was. Uh, And then the feature film was nominated for Best Picture. La La Land was Was nominated for Best Picture. And First Man was nominated for Best Picture. I I, I knew about the other two, but I didn't know Whiplash was nominated for Best Picture. Wow. Yeah, 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 man. I remember the year uh, Whiplash came out. We went and saw it. Just jaw dropped yeah, i thought I that was one you, of the best thing i had ever seen i remember you were very much a hype man for that movie yeah oh yeah. my gosh yeah it's incredible it's incredible yeah anyway damien chazelle man how can you be 31 and just dropping gold nuggets out of your bum like this well, i don't like, think he's 31 anymore when did they come out 2016 was he 31 so when it came out yeah so i think he's 34 now 35 34 35 he's 35 yeah providence rhode island Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Anyway. Well. Yep. It was nice talking to you about this, my friend. We've talked about what we saw already this week. Anything else new with you? I think this week I'm going to try. Oh, I just got. um, So my mother-in-law gifted me a uh, Criterion collection uh, gift card. Yeah. So I got uh, The Tree of Life and Thin Red Line. I think I'm going to watch both of those this week. There you go. We can kind of hit on it next next time we talk. Yeah, absolutely. uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually yeah. got uh, what was Silence of the Lambs lately. My Criterion Ooh. collection is just exploding Gosh. here. Silence of the Lambs, The Irishman I got for my uh, Christmas gift. The Irishman and Parasite were both Christmas gifts. Nice. Um, and then uh, Roma was the newest edition. Roma is a great movie. Roma. Gosh. Hey, Alfonso Cuaron. That was him, right? I believe so, right? Speaking of Alfonso Cuaron, or is it I, we're watching Harry Potter. Didn't he do one of the... He did Prisoner of Azkaban. Was, was it him or was it in, in Iratua? I, I always get the two confused. confused. I yeah. always get them confused. Now I got I got to clear up the air before Alejandro before gets on. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he doesn't watch our show. Or I hope he does. And he hasn't, he hasn't done anything else in the in, lately, right? Other than uh, After Roma. Dude, who was it? It was Alfonso Cuaron, dude. Up at me, gosh. Did he? Did he do um, Roma, Prisoner of Azkaban? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. I nice. also think he did the and sixth Children one. Man. I said that when we last talked episode. Last. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was uh, who was it? It was uh, Emmanuel Lubezki. Was his? Lubezki. Uh, I love he, Lubezki. Lubezki wasn't the DP for uh, Roma, though, was he? No, no, no. Kuran uh, was. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. He did everything, I think, in that. Oh, other than man. Some production and credits. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, or music. Should, I don't think he did music. Uh, talk about this. Criterion is following the curve because Marriage Story is now in the collection, The Irishman, 
and Roma. And those are all Netflix, Netflix. films. Dude, good yeah. for Netflix. Good for Netflix. Well, yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're putting out, they're getting like solid people to work on solid films. Do you think Netflix films, is still so. in just a massive amount of debt? Or do you think they've gotten uh, out of I'm that sure. now? I'm sure they, I'm sure they still are. They, wow. they're, they put so much money toward production. Stuff, yeah, so. it seems that it, way. It's, I, I love that. Um, it's so funny to me because a year or two ago, the Academy was not granting nominations to films that were only streamed. Right. And then, so like Netflix found the loophole by also putting movies out on theaters that they felt like had a chance yeah. in the, at the Oscars. But with COVID, I mean, everything pretty much was streamed. Yeah. So like they don't have a choice. Right. <laughs> Roma was the first Netflix film to be nominated, right? Uh, I believe so. Yep. And then Marriage that, Story. Huh? And then The Irishman was nominated as well. Yeah. Dude, talk about... I think Netflix had a couple other ones before those, but... Um, did they? But Roma was the first one to win for sure. Dude, I don't know. I think I Roma think, might be the first. I think Netflix was able to get a couple uh, nominated, but it was for like other... Shorts? It was for yeah. other like... It wasn't for best oh, film or anything. I got you, I got you. Picture. But also Manchester by the Sea was uh, Amazon. Amazon Prime. Yep, uh, that's what film. I was about. Yep. But I, I think was that was also... That was released in theaters before it went to Prime itself. So. Well, Prime produced it, or Amazon produced it though. No, right, but I think it was released in theaters before it was ever put on Prime. You right. See what I'm saying? Before it was oh, put on I streaming. see what you're saying. Yeah. So but I think that's dude, how they got around the loophole. Let's talk about streaming. these streaming services and their production stuff. Like these companies, HBO, uh, Netflix, and Amazon, they're just making incredible stuff. Yeah, it's kind of hard though. I feel like I, you know how I am with some like. Uh, ethical issues and things like that so no i'm not sure when it, <laughs> so when it comes to like a film like uh i'm not 100 percent sure on this but the trailer i watched of nomadland yeah um she works for amazon at one point so i'm assuming that amazon produced the film i'm not 100 sure on that i'll check who later. works for amazon francis mcdormand's character yes yeah in in the trailer she's working for amazon at one that's point. an hbo movie it's an hbo movie nomadland nomadland yeah is it yeah okay. so there you go because like i i wonder how like because i uh, obviously there are for lack of a better term <laughs> to come full circle lack of lack of a better word um there are some woke directors out there that will not work with uh certain companies because of like their ethical or moral issues right um like how you see warehouse workers with amazon or across the globe and things like that so, i see what you're saying um but uh here you have it like films like Manchester by the Sea produced by Amazon, which is an incredible film. Incredible. Incredible film. And <laughs> there's more, but I can't think of anything right right now. Excuse me, I'm like hiccuping my life away over here. Um But yeah. Dude, um, never mind. It's a Fox Searchlight. Mm. Ooh. I thought that went out of like I don't I did too. Maybe that's one of their last films then. Dude, you know what that means? That means that Nomadland is actually a Disney movie. So I wonder if it's going to be streaming on Disney Plus. <laughs> Doubt it. Hey, um, our next episode, we are talking about Kingdom of Heaven. Yes. Yeah. Who is the... That was... Uh, Kingdom of Heaven. That was... Um, Land of Bloom? No. Who directed that? That was... Oh, Ridley uh, Scott. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dude, I think that's going to be a our third Ridley Scott movie to talk about. 
Blade Runner, Alien, Blade Runner and, and Alien. Uh, yep. there you go. We didn't even mention in our sci-fi episode that this last year was the 30th anniversary of Total Recall. <laughs> Do you know how I know that? Because I go to the store and there's like 30th anniversary versions of Total Recall everywhere. And I'm like, how could we, film enthusiasts, <laughs> I not mean, we, know? We mentioned... Uh, oh no, we mentioned that a couple years ago was the 40th anniversary of Alien. Blade Runner. Alien. Anyway. Well, we talked about how like they made those short films. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Um, yeah, I don't know how to end this, this episode. Neither do I. J-Wall, I'm going to go watch you're, you're a close friend of mine. Of heaven. <laughs> yeah, you're a close friend of mine and I hold you dearly. And uh, I, I always appreciate having these small talks with you. Uh I also appreciate the big talks that we have, but uh, I really appreciate these recorded small talks. The recorded ones. Yes. The ones that we do off record. Yeah, are, we should do 235 off record, like a late <laughs> night series. Where we can say... Yes, exactly. And just so you know, those will be beeped in post. So don't worry. My mom's watching. So anyway, uh, j I love you, friend. Um, hey, love you too, man. Stay rowdy. Uh, I guess... Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. See you next time. Yeah, see you n- until next time. Doodle doodly do.